0: Sugars. I know. I've been I've been bad. I've been try I've just got a lot going on and honestly I've been just a little overwhelmed in life by trying to get everything done. And I love my podcast because it's one of my favorite things to do, if not my favorite thing to do. But it's also the one thing I do that at least right now I don't make any money from and I've kind of been having to do stuff where you gotta go where the money is a little in life. I mean, hopefully, y'all share this episode, we get the show going, I start selling ads on the show, then, hey, can Dear Maddie please be my day job? That would be the best day job in the world. I would love it. It just seems like I'm in this period of life, though, actually, where I'm trying to... I've got this thing with 40 coming up. It's not until March, but I have this... I can feel myself wanting to have anxiety and pressure to get it all done quickly. Or like that I've got to, it's like, literally, it's like I'm going to die on 40. I mean, I know I'm not, but it's almost that's where my anxiety kicks in. Like, you've got to get all this done. And if this isn't where you want it to be by the time you're 40, you're a failure. That's basically where my mind is going. So I'm working with that. It's getting better because I'm talking about it, acknowledging it, and when you know how... When you acknowledge something, it, you say it out loud. You realize it's a, it has, it has no power. Poof, be gone. You have no power here, like the witch says. But um, so that's kind of where I am with that. And so with that, it's just been, it's pulled me away from the podcast. I've also had a couple of people that were going to do interviews and then they couldn't. So um, that's so I apologize for the lapse and then we re- got regularity. We have this show coming out today. I just recorded another episode that's coming out again. Next week, I've got two episodes to record next week with two. So I feel like Dear Maddie's back on track and we should, I would love, my goal is uh, really having new episodes for the week, uh, each week until the at least the end of the year. And if not, keep on going, because Podcast Movement is coming up in July. So if you live in the Philadelphia area, I'm going to be there July 22nd through the 26th, I think. So come say hi at Podcast Movement or just come say hi Just whatever, generally, because I like saying hi to people. I love, all right, everybody. So, jumping this week's episode, Lisa Foster. This woman, honestly, I knew nothing about her. I I interviewed her this morning, and, uh, you, you know, usually, I just didn't know what to expect. And she, like a podcast service that hooks people up with guests and mentors. And they said, hey, we think you might have like minds. And I read her stuff. And I was like, she seems cool. She did a TEDx talk. I was like, okay, cool. Let's see. Man, I loved having her on the show so much. Mainly because she, I had my own aha moments about just about the way I rephrase the word survivor, the way we talk about uh, trigger warning sexual assault in this, uh, in our culture, in our country, in ourselves. And it was just, uh, I really felt like, I feel like she spoke to me. I feel like she's going to speak to a lot of women that listen to this show. I hope so. Sadly, a lot of us have experienced some type with some type of assault in our lives. So I know that... Um, some of the, my most popular episodes have been about this topic, so this is why it's something I come back to because I feel like it's. I feel like it's actually an. Uh, you know, they're just now starting to talk about the opioid ec- epidemic in this country, but I feel like sexual assault and even incest, which we talk about here, I feel like those are epidemics in our uh, culture here in the United States, probably in the world. But it's something that we don't talk about a lot because of shame and such and such. And I'm not going to go into it all because Lisa and I jump into it. But I really did enjoy uh, this interview so much. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's of help to you. If you need help, again, you know that I'm here. You can always email me at DearMaddieShow.com. If you have some advice questions, you know we love those. We've got one on the show today. You can go to DearMaddieShow.com, ask Maddie. So without further ado, enjoy the Dear Maddie Show with Lisa Foster okay all right well what we're going Ooh, if the little red light is on we are recording hello everybody welcome to dear maddie show i know it's been a hot minute dear listeners but mama's been busy i've been planning some stuff i've been sometimes you got to let the bread you got to knead the bread before you put it in the oven y'all and that's what i've been doing but i'm back i'm ready and This show might be three hours long because my guest Lisa Foster and I are going already, y'all. Hello, (laughs) Lisa. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Thanks. I'm so happy
0: to be here. No, thank you so much for being here. Um, Lisa and I never have met before in person, y'all, and she's referred by a friend. But I'm telling y'all, I finally just had to press record because we started talking for like 20 minutes, and then she started (laughs) bringing up Myers-Briggs, and and it's just like, I'm like, okay, we've got to – Press record, or it's not going to happen, Lisa. And so you're all the way in Colorado. Thank you for thank you for tuning in and being here. And just I'm really excited today because um, you're. I love it when I think why we started talking so much is that you. I say on the show all the time hashtag Truth Talk, and I feel like you're a hashtag Truth Talker.
1: Oh yes, I am.
0: You are. And so tell everybody a little bit about. I'm going to p- paraloom, right? I'm going to say that it, 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 I said it correctly, right? Paraloom. It's,
1: it's, it's paraloom?
0: Par, oh, like Paris. Yes. Right? I'm Paris. From Oklahoma, I like I'm that. From Oklahoma, so we don't read things as well. <laughs> paraloom. It's P A R I L L U M E. So tell everybody about paraloom and yourself.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, paraloom, first of all, is a made up word. It's a combination of the word para, which means to, to come alongside and a loom, to light up. And so, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really. <laughs>
0: Come on, Lisa Foster. We love you already. Come on.
1: Oh, yeah. That's why I'm on the planet is I love to come alongside folks and see them shine without shame. Um, and my journey to do the same has been a long one, and I want it to be shorter for other people. So, yeah. So that's the name <laughs> parallel. I do. I mean, that's my commitment, man. It's like, let's be efficient about this. Let's get – got a lot of life to live. we got a lot it, of things to contribute.
0: I appreciate it. I feel like it took me a long time to get my <laughs> shit together. I'm still trying to get it there. Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's an ongoing journey for sure. Um, but the vision of Paraloom is to transform the conversation about sexual violation from shame and silence to heroism and fierce hope. Mm-hmm. And our mission is to provide a lit path with practical tools and a supportive community to transform survivors into thrivers mm-hmm. in the aftermath of violation or really anything that we've walked through um, that has caused us to be stoppable in mm-hmm. In ways. Um, mm-hmm. So, my personal journey to get here has been um, a lot long- of. I just want by the oh, way, go, go.
0: Yes. Re- no, no, you're fine, Lisa, but you just reminded me this is a trigger warning for anybody if you're dealing with yes. these issues right now. We're going to be talking about this stuff. Um, in the most supportive, loving way. So hopefully it's something you can listen to, but if you can't, it's okay to take a break, come back, or it's okay to skip this episode if you need to, but still go to, go to Lisa Wood's website. Cause I think if you're dealing with this, this could be something that can be helpful for you. Absolutely. So, so Lisa, yeah, you were going to kind of get into it. And I was going to ask like, how personally were you called to this type of work?
1: Yes. Well, and and I appreciate you giving that trigger warning. Um I was sexually abused by my dad as a young child growing mm. up in a Christian home. Um and so you can imagine mm. The, the yeah. message is there, uh, which we can talk about further. But uh, yeah. I actually repressed those memories and at 20 began having flashbacks and actually confronted him at that point. Um, and he denied it. He he still denies it to this day. It's now been a couple of decades plus later. And uh, I ended up getting married soon after at 21 years old mm. and began my own, what I now consider my own heroic journey and got into a really good therapist and support group situation. And as I began um, what I would consider my tour through hell, because it is very challenging to face um, these types of dynamics, especially when we're talking about child sexual abuse and incest in the home. I actually Mm -hmm. lost my whole family. Um, They accused me of being used by the devil to destroy the family. Uh, And as I was uh, doing this work, The way I like to describe it, looking back, is that two fires began to burn in me. The first was, I will be whole. I don't care what it takes or how long it takes. That man will not have the last word on my identity. Mm. And the second fire was that when I'm free enough, I'm bringing as many people as possible with me, that this thing is going down. Um, the reality of all the layers of pain and shame and PTSD that come with this kind of violation, uh, I just knew I, I wanted to be a part of a solution and shining a light. Now, little did I know that it would take uh, a couple of decades, a lot of my own healing work, a lot mm-hmm. of other um, – starting a nonprofit and working in other uh, you know businesses and, and speaking and doing workshops and um, all that kind of thing before I would look up. And uh, after a divorce, after 21 years and my only child about to graduate high school, I knew – it was time. I had been sharing my story all mm-hmm. the way along and even in business communities as I was doing workshops with small business owners. And what would happen every time I shared is that other people would come out of the woodwork mm-hmm. and they would begin to share. And so when I looked up at, okay, what was going on in this conversation? I noticed a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we had a lot more, um, Tangible statistics about the prevalence of this. And Mm -hmm. we also had come so far in terms of neuroscience and understanding trauma, understanding repressed memories, and having tools, therapeutic tools. And so as I was looking at that and thinking, should I go back to school and get a master's degree? Should I go be a therapist? Um, I knew there's so many great therapists. Uh, But what I didn't see in the conversation was, there was no other language for us beyond survivor. And though that is true, I am a survivor, it also felt limiting to me. And I thought, you know, what's after surviving? There needs to be a conversation about how we can actually thrive and how we can actually overcome this dynamic and reclaim who we truly are in the world. And that's what I wanted to contribute with Paralum.
0: It's so... It's interesting that you, t- I have two things, I have a lot, not a lot, Lisa, you gave mm-hmm. me a lot to think about. I mean, I love that as a narrative therapist and I'm all about using words to describe our language, you kind of gave me an aha that I never thought about the word survivor. Like when I think of survivor, I think of the Reba McIntyre song that I love so much. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> um, I'm from Oklahoma and I love her. Um, but also too, I, there is kind of like um This, there, at least for me, and this is about for anyone. Like, what is your? uh, This is why I always ask people, like, what does that word mean for you? Because sometimes that word can be halting, or it can be facilitating what you want. And like, when I think of the word survivor, you're right. I think if you survived it, that means you're almost like you're done with it, like you're on the other side of it, and kind of you're just. I'm imagining literally when I say survive, I'm imagining like a house that's been. Torn down, and I'm standing there on the other side. But when you say thriving, that's such a more engaging, like forward motion word for me. Like when I think Mm -hmm. of you, that you're, I think of movement. I think of moving forward. Like you're, I'm keeping on moving. And so I love just that's what I love about what we do. Sometimes just in the words, sometimes just adding adding a different word can change the um, your relationship with whatever circumstance you're in.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And I was so excited to learn that you are a narrative therapist, because I do think the power of language to define and also incite us, you know, to really yeah. um, allow us to move into possibility versus be limited by our past. And, and yeah, for me, the word survivor, uh, it did. It's like, I don't want to be defined by a crime someone committed against me, even though I survived um. it. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem fair to me that yeah, that the, wasn't a
0: choice for you to yeah, go through that
1: Absolutely so that's why I love you know what's possible in terms of thriving and and I have to say for me the truest form of justice in the aftermath of sexual violation of any kind is to get our lives back I mm. believe Mm-hmm. is to be who we were meant to be to to shine to go forward and um to not be stopped by mm. those crimes.
0: Well, I want to go back a little bit because I feel like this uh, I feel like it's much more um it's much more clear now on the public side but I still feel like I'd like to demystify some things for people um possibly that are going through this or that have questions in that I think because I still get asked a little bit about this from people that they don't get the quote unquote repressed memories. They kind of don't Mm -hmm. understand how that happens. And I think, you know, I'm 39. So when I think of repressed memories, I think of like the first time I think I ever saw saw or heard about that was like on a like a soap opera or like a lifetime movie, you (laughs) know, because I feel like that's when it started getting a little bit of legitimacy where people understood this was a real thing. So. Um I, I kind of have a two part question. A, I kind of want to know if you could maybe explain that, how, why that happens for people. But then also I'm interested in yourself. Like, what was that like for you when you started getting flashbacks? I can't imagine what's, did you think it was real? Did you think it was not? Were you confused? Like, what was that process for you? Mm hmm.
1: Now, those are great questions. And I actually love that you're asking them because so many times, especially when we're dealing with our primary caregivers, abusing us as young children, um, many of the people that I work with and have spoken with uh, have an element of of repressed memories in those types of dynamics. Mm -hmm. And part of that. Well, I think the reason for that is disassociation. It's a survival mechanism. Um, Mm -hmm. When I'm being woken up in the middle of the night by my father, who's supposed to be the one to protect and Mm -hmm. care for me, uh, I absolutely escaped that. And and Mm -hmm. I disassociated completely. And And,
0: just for people that don't know, I just want to... For the word disassociate, I mean, that, that is, for some people are wondering what that is, it's literally, I mean, I kind of imagine of uh, your body might be in a situation, but your mind literally checks out to kind of save you from the, the horror that your body's experiencing. Correct? Or is correct. You have a better expression for that's, that?
1: That's a beautiful definition. I, I, I think, um, and I talked to someone recently who described how they could remember like floating up above their house. And looking, you know, and it's like this, this sense of, yeah, we really leave our bodies mm-hmm. and, and are outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so often when we begin, and this is what's so tra- traumatic about having PTSD flashbacks. So post traumatic stress disorder. So when we begin to have these flashbacks, what can be so jarring about them is that we're trying to reassociate what has been disassociated. So we may find ourselves triggered by a smell and in complete trigger mode and not even know why, or we don't know why when we go to a certain home or we're in a certain neighborhood or something happens, our whole body freezes up or we're we're trying to, you know, make love with our partner. I mean, this used to happen the first year of my marriage, I literally would shut down and I would go uh, what I consider to be pre-verbal because I could not, I had no language I had no template to describe Mm. what was happening to me.
0: Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And so when this would, so when this did start, so can you kind of walk me through that first moment of when you had your kind of first flashback and you Mm -hmm. started to? What was that like for you? Uh,
1: Well, it was terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it's you know the early stages of um, actually facing this can. Can be really, really so scary. And especially if you don't have support. Now, fortunately, uh, there was just at the right time support for me, but I had never done therapy. I wasn't in therapy. A lot of times when I came out was actually at the height of when repressed memories were being questioned. It was the early 90s when mm. I disclosed. And so, and I'm from Seattle. And so one of the key players in that you know, argument that these are all made up was actually in Seattle. And so you can imagine what my parents did with that information. But part of that argument was, well, you just got this in therapy. You're in, you know, the therapist is kind of trying to, you know. Yeah.
0: A lot of people say that they're suggesting this. They're putting ideas in your head.
1: Yep. That that wasn't the case with me. In fact, I was actually um, with my very best friend. It was the summer before my junior year in college. And um, it was the middle of the night and we were up talking and I said to her, do you ever feel like something happened to you when you were a kid? And I immediately actually had two faces that flashed in front of me um, because I actually had one other experience that I remembered at that time, which was from Mm -hmm. an uncle that was no longer in the family. And in that experience, it was, again, the flashback of the weight on me, the, mm-hmm. the, the belt buckle, the, like these different um, images. Sensation. Yes, sensation. Images, yeah. Thank you. Sensation. Yes. And, um, and then I had the face of my father. And I, that completely, that was, I, I couldn't even begin to go there. Mm-hmm. Now I knew there were certain dynamics of if I had stopped and thought about it for a second, the fact that when I hugged him, I, I didn't want my body anywhere near him. The mm-hmm. fact that you know there was there was other things going on. The fact that he had come out just two years prior about his own sexual abuse mm. as a teenager and had done no work around it, but he'd had they were dropping me. My parents were dropping me off at school actually in California from Seattle, and he had a major. Um, he had. Ep- has epilepsy and had a major seizure and had a break, you know, really was breaking down the hospital and, and then disclosed his own abuse. Um, but that was – so even knowing that, it still was like, no way, my, my, I, my life will explode. I can't know. Um, but as I my, – my best friend who was there, she actually – it was amazing, Matt, because she said to me, uh, this is so weird, but just last week my mom gave me a book for people who'd experienced child sexual abuse and she said you probably don't know anyone but in case you ever do and so my friend Laura gave me this book oh. and i began to read the book and i began to just sit with and you know is it possible that this happened with my dad and and then probably a week or so later is when i had my first flashback really besides just his face and besides just this sense, my first flashback of um, physical sensations and images and the ring on his finger and, and things like that.
0: Wow. Um, I mean, thank you for just des- describing that. I mean, so beautifully, but also I, I, I think I asked you that because I think there's so many people that might have had these flashes and the, and, Th- that this could be part of their story. And, mm-hmm. uh, sad, and you know, it's so, I think like you said, the more and more people talk about this, the more and more it is a part of their story. Um, and, I, I, and I'm just, I'm just so sorry. Even just hearing too, that you're, that you're, you you said you still, your father still hasn't come to terms with it. And yet he experienced it. it it's such a, it definitely is that cycle of abuse that it's just continues and continues. That's so, I think that a lot of families find that out. They think they're the only one, and then they talk to other family members, as I'm sure you Mm -hmm. have seen already, or and find out that they there's other people that have experienced this. Um. Uh. Anyway, sorry. I just that was such a. I just I just want to hug you right now. That was uh, no. it's, It's well. So in. So I guess kind of in turning the conversation towards a little bit of. The work that you do so for someone who just listened to that you tell that story and for someone who feels like they're kind of where lisa was when she was 20 years old what you know how what 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 do you say to them what do you and, and i say this too especially i think a lot of people you made such a good point that um about kind of the there's shame on this regardless anyway But then, what? and I know this just from being from the Bible Belt, you brought up like being from a religious family. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other connotation and and level of shame. And I love that you earlier said when I came out, because I've always said everybody, gay, straight, or whatever, has something in their life they have Mm -hmm. to come out about. Yes. And knowing that you can lose family members, you can lose friends. And I think it's something that we all can relate to or hopefully are connect with that we all are. Quote unquote, you know, having to come out into our truth. So, anyway, uh, sorry, I just said a lot because I'm kind of processing a lot. But so, in after telling you so what it's so, what do in your work kind of, you know, what are if somebody's going through that, what's kind of maybe the the just the first the next step they could take?
1: Mm-hmm. I love that question. And part of what we do in Paralloom that I think is really important is we use a uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, a simplified version of it, as a template and an invitation for people to heal uh, and to thrive. And mm-hmm. so, within that, um, we have simplified it to to four main stages: awakening. Mm-hmm. Transformation, reward, and shining, and so um, in the awakening stage, that is awakening to the reality and/or the impact of sexual violation in our lives, and so um, and that's any kind. I also want to. Uh, I know we're talking specifically about incest and child sexual abuse, but sexual violation, as we know, with the Me Too movement, covers the gamut of experience, and mm-hmm. I absolutely um, embrace and welcome all expressions of that because. Mm-hmm often no matter what kind of violation we've experienced we tend to as a first response diminish it and compare yeah. ourselves to others and so yeah. someone might listening to this might go wow i have some of those same responses but it wasn't you know my gosh it wasn't that big a deal uh-huh. it was- a teacher or it was a boy, my, you know, my first boyfriend raped me. And so therefore, you know, all these types of things. And so I, I really want to be very inclusive in terms of the definition, uh, definition of what violation is. Um, yeah. And so and I have a
0: me too question for you. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, planning a me too question. And I love that you said that too, because i one of my most popular episodes I ever have done a dear Maddie was actually an episode with a woman named Susan who was raped. And so she talked about She described her experience and kind of its letter into activism. But um, it was so what was the, what was, I'm bringing this up because I'm bringing this up for people, anybody listening, what a lot of the comments that I got back. And when I say a lot, I mean over, I mean probably fingers and toes I can count from women that, and some men, but they all had a same similar thing of, Thank you for that story because that was more like my story when I was always kind of led to believe that my story wasn't quote unquote rapey enough. Like it didn't look like something from a lifetime movie. So therefore maybe I played a part in it. It was Mm -hmm. more of a date with a friend, you know, it wasn't rape, you know, and, but assault is assault. And I think that incest is incest. And so I think that you brought that. I'm so glad that you talked about that because I think a lot of people diminish and I think in a good way, or they try, they th- they maybe think it's good. They diminish things so that way it protects them. But then, but as you know, if you don't to to heal it, you have to feel it. And so when you push those things and diminish them, it always comes out and manifests in some other way.
1: Absolutely, and I'm so glad you bring that up because that that whole it's not a rapey enough experience. I think that's part of. Um, the, the victim blaming and the rape culture and yeah. just sort of the soup that we swim in with this issue. And so, um, my whole take on all of it is I'm on the planet so people, no matter their gender, can be free and they can shine and that they can, um, fully integrate what has on whatever level what has happened to them so that they can be unstoppable. And so mm-hmm. that's what breaks my heart when I when I hear people diminish or think, well, it's not quite enough to warrant therapy or to warrant doing any work or I shouldn't talk about it because what well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Um, and then they're living with the effects of it. And that's the part I, I think to me, even when I deal with clients who aren't sure if they have all their memories, one of the things that I say um in my work is Listen, this is about, it's not about, I'm not going, you know, we're not going to go on a digging expedition, but this is about if something is in the way, being able to fully see and accept it and move through it so it can be transformed and Mm -hmm. we can fully move forward. Mm Um. So I do, can I, can I get back to your last question though? I, yeah, I, I would, want to comment on
0: that. i just to get back to that. <laughs> yes. I know we're everywhere, but yeah, I wanted to go. I was literally going to go back to that too. So go yes, ahead.
1: Yes. And I love, by the way, I love being everywhere. I can, I can go everywhere gay, all
0: the time. <laughs> gay DD Lisa. I'm yes. sorry. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Oh my sugar.
1: gosh. Gay DD. love it. I it. <laughs> it's love a real
0: it. thing. So yeah. So that question for somebody who's kind yes, of going, yes. having this like, oh shit, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I think this applies to me, or I think I have something similar, mm-hmm. you know, and again, what do I do? Yes. Uh, what do I do? Because also too, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, this, is what I love about Paralume, is that not everybody even has physical access to places. So um, yeah. so yes, please go ahead.
1: Yes. Okay. So going back to the hero's journey, which is the framework um, that I think really helps uh, provide an invitation for people. Mm-hmm when someone awakens, which is what you're talking about, when there is that moment of, and there can, an awakening can happen for somebody who knows, oh yeah, okay. I was, I experienced assault at 14. um, But, you know, suddenly now I'm listening to this or I'm I'm hearing somebody else and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, it's affected every area of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, That I would consider that's, that's an awakening. And so the invitation there is um, to move into stage two, which is the unknown world and the hero's journey of transformation, of healing, of recovery. Now, really what we need moving from the awakening stage to the transformation stage is this idea of the mentor, is someone, somewhere to help us know what that next step could be for us. Um, and so for me, that was my friend, Laura, who gave me the book. And then I moved into from there, I went on to find a therapist. So in Paraloom, we actually have what I call a transformation tribe of healing practitioners. So this is where we have... Um, therapists and trauma recovery specialists, and we have bodywork specialists, all of whom have been vetted and who share the same core values and provide different modalities of healing. And the reason I wanted to do that is because often... Our only thought is, oh my gosh, this means I have to go to therapy now. For people who have no negative association with therapy, then, or they've done it before for other things, or maybe they're already in therapy and this comes forth, that's not as big a deal. It's like, okay, great, that's I will continue that. Um, But for those who maybe have a negative association or they don't want to do that kind of talk, cognitive therapeutic model, that's where it's like to open up that there are other that a person can go to acupuncture and experience healing from PTSD symptoms, if they're going to somebody who understands that, who is trauma informed. And so when we talk about next steps, I've designed Paralooms so that that can be easier for people when they awaken, um, mm-hmm. so that they have resources available and they have different modalities that they can choose from. Um, for those who don't have access to those mm-hmm. resources, it really is, um, I would say about, and I also have this on one of my blogs, like books to read, videos to watch, um, you know, websites to find that provide uh, a a place for them to begin to understand they're not alone.
0: And I can put these in the show links.
1: Oh, yeah. I would would love that. Yes. Um, Because, you know, one of the things I talk about, well, I want to back up. Uh When we awaken. Uh Uh-huh. Whether it's right after the assault happens, because we're, you know, we're adults. I we're love experiencing- that
0: word, by the way. I love that word, just using it to describe this. But keep going. Keep going. Yes,
1: absolutely, um, I do too, because. Yeah, it, it's, that's what it is. And we can have the multiple awakening. awakenings in our lives and even in our own heroic journey, um, to thriving after sexual violation. You know, I present it as a large scale, like the epic sort of journey, the four stages, but we have many, you know, heroic journeys all the time when we awaken to, wow, I wasn't able to be, you know, intimate with my partner just now because of this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. And then we can experience transformation in that and all of that. But what I want, my point I want to make is, I personally believe that the killer in all of this, more than PTSD, more than even the trauma that gets stored in our bodies, is shame.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So if we can begin to eradicate shame around this issue, then what we're left with, Matt, is we're left with, what do I need to do to heal? Okay, I'm having I'm having trouble, you know, having sex, or I'm having trouble um, trusting. You know, my partner, or mm-hmm, bringing mm-hmm. my gifts to my workplace. So then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, what resources are available? Whether they are books, videos, therapists, online coaching, um, all, all those kind of opportunities. What are available to heal that? But mm-hmm. when there's shame, then it is another nail in the coffin of silencing us and and walking around just not knowing who we are, not having our voice and our choice, and and just re-experiencing to me the, the worst effects of violation, which mm-hmm. is this um this lack of self-love and self-worth.
0: Yeah. And it's it I think that um, I've mentioned this book before but I, it's uh, Bradshaw's healing the Shame that binds you is mm-hmm. a great book for people um, if you just kind of want to learn about the toxicity of shame and what that is um, because I the love thing that about book. yeah it's a great book mm-hmm. and the thing about shame is that it you know yes something physically happens to you and that's almost as if we already blame our can blame ourselves for that but still it's often, someone or something happened to us but with shame what at least in my own experience with shame whether it was dealing with sexuality or dealing with you know living in la and west hollywood and not being a a guy with 10 abs and all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. shame about body image and things like that for me it's been uh it's like the level of shame deepens whenever i realize that at least i feel like that i'm doing it to myself that i'm shaming myself Mm -hmm. but then I have the shame about shaming myself, and then I think you know, and so it's just so i've never i don't know anything that builds upon itself like a cancer like shame does mm-hmm. more than anything I've ever dealt with
1: totally agree, a hundred percent,
0: yeah, so it just is, and what I love that you're doing, I want to bring up to people too that. Yeah, obviously I'm a therapist, so obviously I encourage therapy. But I do encourage that if you're dealing with something that's specifically PTSD, especially if something uh, with a, a any type of trauma, what I love that you're putting out there is that you and your team are trained in trauma because I'm not trained in trauma. And I will say that a lot of – I'm just going to put this out there. I'm not speaking for every program, but it's just trauma is so vast and so um, – and it's it's, it's so um, so vast, so diverse, and so um, deep that a two-year master's program for people doing a the therapy program often is not enough to mm-hmm. to deal with trauma. And so I know because I applied one time for a trauma place and I they were talking about what they're doing. And I just said, I'm not trained enough for this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's, but this is just not, I need to, if I want a job like this, I need to seek more training. So I'm just telling people that I think you know, if you think wherever in your town, you have your own therapist, that's great. But you maybe in addition, whether it's Perlume or whatever, seeking out people that are skilled in trauma, I think is key in dealing with these type of issues.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think really understanding too, as a person is stepping into dealing with this, to, to really know that you have permission to not stay with a counselor or any kind of bodywork professional or a coach that doesn't feel safe to you, that doesn't feel like they're going to actually help you. And sometimes we forget that. And if we're used to sort of silent, you know, we're used to um, experiencing, you know, a lot of different trauma and, and we don't really have we ha- we don't have yet that sense of voice and choice in our lives we f- can forget that and we can actually get re-traumatized and i've mm-hmm. heard many horror stories of of clients and people that i know in the community that have experienced uh, a re-traumatization because of yeah. a therapist's lack of knowledge.
0: Oh, yeah, for and it again and then And then the shame builds on that. Well, then you tell yourself, well, I'm I'm an idiot for trying to seek help about this and talking about this. I Mm -hmm. shouldn't have done that anyway. And then it's just, again, the layers and layers and layers that build. Um,
1: Can I just say one more thing about that? Because that's what I was saying too. um, Even if one joins some of these online communities or contacts me personally or somehow um, becomes a part of watching some of the paraloom videos, one of the things that can help so much is – is knowing that there are others who have experienced this, yeah, and they get yeah. it, and that is one of the things that I will say is a distinction for for me when I'm working with people that are ready for um, the the facilitation work that I do, and they've done enough recovery work that they're ready to to be in play big in the world, and really don't want to be stopped by um, that pain anymore. One of the things I hear over and over again is, "Wow, it is so wonderful to hear." your story. It's so validating for me to know that you understand this, that you get this. And so those types of communities, any place where a person can feel like they it is safe um, to share and that others will be a compassionate witness to what they've walked through and also will validate uh, the experience, that is healing, healing, healing.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I, mean, I tell people all the time, people are so scared about it, but Individual therapy is wonderful, but if I could get every one of my clients, um, uh, patients that I've dealt with, if I could get them into a group therapy session, I would. I, I always because there's just, I always say in si- it can take me six months to get them to feel less alone, or they can feel that way in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. It's it, it literally. It I'm not exact. You know I'm not exaggerating. It's that powerful to be in a group of people that witness you. I mean that is. Not saying it's the only way, but that is, I think, one of the main reasons why AA and those type of programs have been so successful is that people are seen with others and that shame is
1: released. Absolutely. You know, one of the tribe members that we have here um, in Denver that I I just love what they're up to is called the Wings Foundation. And they're actually uh, support groups for adult survivors of child sexual abuse. And they do incredible work specifically around what's called CSA or child sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse. And, um, and the other thing, the other place I see this is, you know, Paraloom as part of the social enterprise aspect of what we do in the world, we have these free community events. And and, um, you know, that is where we gather in a room and then, and then record these conversations, not that I don't record the conversation of the people that are in the room. Cause we, we turn off the live stream for that, but, um, being able to be with a group of people, whether or not they've experienced sexual violation or not in a non-therapeutic se- setting, where the whole point is to celebrate the triumph of the human spirit and the aftermath yeah. of sexual violation and the hero in all of us, that is, um, Often, a very—it's it, an awakening experience for people in a totally different way, like awakening to what's possible.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's the—that's life. Mm-hmm. Whatever we're doing, it's—it's it's, we we awaken and reawaken and reawaken. It's like you know, you recommit, and that always keeps happening. It's an always a cycle, and also. Did you say because this? I don't think I've told you this yet. This episode's going live today, so I'm putting this up later this afternoon. So I think aren't you having an event tonight?
1: We are. I did not know that, and and I think you will uh, especially appreciate the event um, because I know you've mentioned you're you know you're a queer advocate and it, you're all mm-hmm. about that. Well, this is our spotlight. We have a different spotlight every month um, with issues that relate to the community, and this one we're talking about authentic allyship and how we mm. can really understand privilege and inclusion and marginalized communities and really open up the conversation and, and learn how. I, I'm, I'm really excited to be such a student tonight in the conversation and have it just be the beginning of a conversation about how we can be um, really just inclusive in a way that's very conscious. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it.
0: Well, and where can people go if they want info about that? For tonight
1: for tonight um, they can go to the Paraloom website it's paraloom.com and on the nav bar it says shine soirees which is what these events are called and if they click there there is a live stream link and so they can join us live at about uh, let's see it'd be 615 Pacific Standard Time 715 where I'm at in, in Denver um, and then there also all of these soirees are recorded and kept on the Paraloom Productions YouTube page
0: okay, great. You were really good at naming things <laughs> well,
1: I'm a communication I mean again that's why I love what you're up to about the narrative therapist because my background is all in communication and the power of language, and when we can put words together in a way that allows us to see something newly that's when transformation happens that is
0: when that is that is truly when transformation happens i I agree with that. I think, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with people about, about just really fleshing out shame. And instead of, you know, and this is a watered down version, but just to, for people that are listening of thinking of shame is not something that is them or not mm-hmm. something that encompasses them, but almost thinking about what is their relationship with shame. And if his shame is like a friend or, or a, an enemy or whatever, if it's a person in the room that shows up, what does it look like? What are, what are its habits? when is it when is it when is it angry? when is it happy? when is it stronger? what does it want from you? Kind of using these externalization exercises and questionings to really and I have to say it, I mean, we do this a lot with narrative therapy with, with a lot of things, whether it's depression or anxiety, but I have to say, uh shame, is, it can be one of the most uh, powerful externalizing shame, but it also can be one of the hardest things of externalizing shame for people because people, um, I mean, it's been healing for me to have these conversations with myself and with other people because it's even acknowledging me that, again, like I said, how, um, how strong the shame wants to adhere to my identity. And I always fight in against that.
1: Oh, I love that, absolutely. And it's interesting, in the work that I do, um, I have a signature offering, which is, you know, why I started Parallelum is the Free to Shine program. And in that, the first two sessions, the first session is called The Choice Big or Small, and it's about really that process of externalizing. I love that language, externalizing our thoughts, um, mm-hmm. because our thoughts, you know, are we having being small statements inside of us or, or being mm-hmm. big statements? And mm. that first tool that I provide is called the Bridge to Big and how to be able to have a script for ourselves um, to understand, like, Whatever that precipitating circumstance that landed us in what I call the funk, um, which Mm -hmm. is different to me than being triggered, uh, Mm -hmm. and then being able to see like – and the script actually goes, I see you small thoughts. And then they actually say, you know, I am unsuccessful or I am ugly or I am whatever that might be. That's all you are, small little thoughts. You aren't me. You aren't the truth. And now I'm going to exchange you for the possibility of being as big as I truly am on the inside, with no limits. And mm-hmm. these are and these are statements that they've created ahead of time around, you know, truly who they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I am
1: loved. I am successful. I am and and being able to see those shifts in that moment until we're big on the inside. And then the last part of that is and what's one new action. I can take as a result of being big on the inside, because I'm all about like that alignment of being big on the inside and then playing big on the outside versus just gritting our teeth and trying to play big and being miserable on the inside. Yeah. But what I love about your distinction, and I totally agree with you is shame is a different animal entirely. Yeah, it, it can be rooted in some of these thoughts, but it is. I do think it is very hard to externalize, and so one of the things that I talk about in in session two, I call it the thing that goes bump in the night, because it can be this. And what I'm talking about there is, I believe there's actually a core shame message that we carry, um, whether or not we've experienced violation or not, that we actually. Can get as little kiddos um, to make sense of the world, and mm-hmm. so for me, there I am being abused, and and you know I would have exploded had I actually acknowledged that the people that are supposed to care for me are actually dangerous to my mm-hmm. well being, and so how I internalized that was I'm unlovable. So okay, now I get it. This is why the world works this way. I'm unlovable. So mm-hmm. what I've discovered in my work with myself and with clients is that when we can begin to acknowledge and integrate that little child that created that message and actually find an antidote, we can neutralize the message so that we can be unstoppable. So whatever we were up to that, that message that might've been hidden to our view that might've stopped us. Um, we actually can have an antidote and, and move through it. So it's neutralized. Now I, the reason I use that language.
0: I love that word. Neutralize. <laughs> yes. I, no, I I love it because I think people, People when they have these horrific, traumatic, or just um, such aggressive thoughts of themselves, like they like people dealing with body issues, and they say, in the word, you know, just a simple sentence of "I'm fat." Mm-hmm. The shame that that brings. They think mm-hmm. that, that 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 thought. They think they really, truly believe that thought is always going to have power for the rest of their life. And, but since I, and I'm on the other side of it of and I, I'm it's uh it's hard to convince people at first that. No, you literally can think the word I'm fat and then not even a second later say, no, that's, that's not the reality or mm-hmm. that, that thought can have no power over you. So I love that word neutralize and the antidote. I love this.
1: Well, the thing is, I, I, I love that too. And I'm also, um, uh, an evidence of the fact that there can be this level of transformation. I mean, I used to be absolutely completely imprisoned by shame, um, you know, to the extent that when I first was like, "Oh, do I really need to do healing work back when I was twenty one and newly married and you know asking God, do I do I need to go to therapy?" I actually got this picture of myself and I, I hate to be crude about this, but what I saw in that moment is my face and it was covered in in dog excrement like like that's how wow. I saw myself. and so I um the level at which I have wow. lived and walked through and been gotten to the other side of this um can't be. You know, understated. Like I'm such a I'm such a believer that what's possible for one is possible for for all. Oh. And um and and yeah, getting back to that word neutralize. Why I like that word is because my core shame message still shows up, and it's not about yeah. like I, I'm not going to have this idea that oh I'm going to forever eradicate that that where I can go to in a shame spiral is I'm unlovable. But what I can do is comfort that little girl. And ha- I actually have, and I, I teach clients how to do a physical action that you could do anywhere, anytime. And for me, I just put my hand on my heart and kind of hug myself a little bit. Nobody even has to know. I could be at a cocktail party. I can be, you know, <laughs> anywhere. And mm-hmm. I will just If I'm alone, I will just say out loud, I love you. I love you. So like until there's that shift internally and I'm back. And I'll also speak to that little girl inside me and say, you know what, sweetie, I've got your back. You are never alone.
0: Mm -hmm. We are,
1: you know, I am here. You don't have to manage anything. Cause often I think that triggered state is the little kiddo that thinks they have to manage it and it's dangerous and the Mm -hmm. world is dangerous and they're going to die. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to be able to neutralize it so that I can keep playing big and, and knowing who I am, my gosh, it's been one of the most profoundly healing things that I've done. And, and certainly one of the most profoundly healing tools that I've seen work with clients.
0: Oh, I love that. I, uh, you know, I do – I just – when I'm in that – that's so funny that you talk about a physical motion because when I'm – I cross my fingers just because it looks it, – it's so funny. I cross my fingers because it's, it's like I imagine that my fingers are like just like two people hugging. Mm. So it's literally I think of me, me hugging myself, and I just cross my fingers when I'm in a situation, and that's kind of like my don't be nervous, don't yeah. be – you know, just – so I love, love, love. People, if you're dealing with this, please go to Lisa's website. Obviously – Um, I'm so, I knew I was already excited to meet you too, but I'm just, I think kind of what you're doing, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about trauma and sexual assault this way. And I, I, I feel like it's can be revolutionary, honestly. Like, I really think you're onto something the way you're describing this. Mm. I'm excited for people to hear this and get their feedback on this. Yes. Thank you. So I know that we. We talked about doing an advice question because I have one. We just have been talking so much and I enjoy <laughs> what you're saying. Yes. Um, and uh, I do, but I do want to bring this to this question because I t- we talked about this question and it brings another aspect of your work. And so uh, we do have an advice question and I'm going to read that today real quick and then we'll just answer it real quickly. All okay? right. How's that sound, Lisa? Perfect. Okay. This is from Christina, age 39. Love you, Christina. I know who you are. You're a great listener. Thank you. Um, She says, um, uh, I love that she said, Matt Maher, you are wonderful. Okay, now help me. And that's how she starts this. Uh, that's great. <laughs> you know how to butter me up, sugar. Uh, but Christina says, I'm pretty good at pretending to be confident, but really I'm painfully shy and socially awkward. This aspect of who I am is hindering my writing career. While my books are gaining some traction, I have a hard time going to book events where I don't know anyone, and that means I have no network. When I force myself to go, I stand around awkwardly, or I find one person and say, hi, can I sit here? And then I sit and melt into the background with the awkward sweats, fun times. Be yourself is a pretty notion, but when yourself is a sweaty, awkward mess, that doesn't work. I need some practical advice on how to talk to people in these situations. Also, I'm working on the underlying confidence issues in therapy. So that's good advice, but I need more of an action plan. Like put me in a room of people. Now, what do I do? Seriously, step-by-step, step, what on earth do I do? Much love to you, XOXO. XO. Um, I'm just going to jump in and say one thing that I think that Christina can do is what you and I just t- talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, What is a physical action, Christine? Because I know Christina um, and I know what her work. She's is a, a wonderful and she's a gr- very talented author and uh w- knowing and i also know the supports that she has and the people that believe in her and so and i say that not, i know i know her but i'm speaking to i'm sure everybody else is listening to this as well and i mean social anxiety still is i think that is the number one if not number sorry i'm, I'm dropping my computer number one fear in um for a lot of people with trauma, but just having a physical action of what's a physical action I can do to remind myself I'm not going to die, right? I mean, what are you thinking, Lisa? I
1: love that. Yeah, absolutely. Because it does... um, So what happens, what I'm hearing in that, and I also appreciate, Christina, your vulnerability and just... Courage, seriously, to be out there in the world, bringing forth your writing, bringing forth your gift, and and as a part of it, you have to do the, these book events. Yeah. Um, and so I I love the question because I work with a lot of people who are business owners, and um or or, or doing things with their they have to be out there, and there's parts that are uncomfortable for them. So mm-hmm. absolutely, I think what we talked about with with shame and having a physical action, I would add if you could have some kind of verbal cue, um that that is a phrase that can help just ground you in your own lovability and in your own presence. And, Mm -hmm. um, just that, that piece, but for sure the physical, uh, the other thing that I do, and and you mentioned it earlier, I have a separate offering of uh, a separate arm of of the work that I do in Paraloon called shine from your original design. And it is, has nothing to do with sexual violation and has everything to do with individuals, couples, families, and teams, learning how to capitalize on their strengths and personality to create solutions in their lives. And the reason I bring this up is because right now um, what I hear in this is, and this is what happens for most of us, is the focus is on the lack of, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to these events and I don't have the tools, skills, I, I, I get sweaty and awkward and I have social anxiety. And all of that is obviously a true experience for Christina. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what would be possible if she understood, and maybe, maybe, Christina, you do understand this. And so here's where I would say, and part of the work that I do is helping people actually apply what their strengths are, what their Myers-Briggs personality is, what their Enneagram type is, and what the healing key of that type is. Um, as uh you know, looking at it and and being able to use that information to what I call crack the code and so in christina 's case, what I would say is if I were doing a session with her and looking at what her actual strengths are, first of mm-hmm. all that 's amazing work because it builds us up on the inside, and instead mm-hmm. of focusing on where we 're weak like I would say i i wouldn't want to focus Christina like you got to go change who you are and be like maybe you and I are Matt very extroverted very you know like No problem talking to anybody. I mean, I have certain strengths around connectedness and woo and, you know, all that kind of thing. I would say from your strengths, Christina, how can we how can these events be recreated and from your Enneagram type? And so having that understanding Mm. and having tangible tools now, obviously. And, you know, the first idea that comes to my mind is, my goodness, you know, bring someone with you every time you go. Now, that may not be possible if you're traveling out of the state and, and things like that. And so then I would begin to look at, okay, based on your strengths, um, what are, what is a script that actually feels authentic, an internal script and an external script, or what are some behaviors that are in total alignment with who you are, Christina, the amazing person you are, Um, and not in alignment with like, okay, um, everybody has these, you know, seven habits of highly effective people, or everybody has to apply it this way. Does that make sense, Matt?
0: Yeah, I think yeah. What you're saying to me is, um, I was because that made me think of when you said a script. I mean, literally in this case, Christina is a writer. Hmm. So, and I love what you said that a lot of people come, you know, just being more. I'm a solution focused driven therapist, and so people come to me, you know, wanting to talk about their problems. But I'm with you in that I'm fine with talking peeling the onion, dissecting your problems, that's great. But often first, I need to know what your strengths are, what's working in your life. I need to dissect your strengths so that way we know what to come at the problem with. And so with Christina, I know her strength is her writing. So in talking about an internal, external script, I would ask her when in the past, and hopefully there are some, if not, then then that's another issue, but it would be, I would ask, when have you been in these situations when it went really well and what went really well about what were the things, Christina, I would ask yourself, what did you say that seemed to resonate with other people or what did other people say to you that, that got you interested in talking to them? So, and I would, so taking those, those literally, literally taking those words and putting them to a script. And if let's say she said, none of these have gone well, then I would do, I probably would do some imagining exercises Mm -hmm. of, well, what if it did go well, if you knew, if you left, if you went to a writing event, you got there at seven o'clock, you were nervous, you were sweating, and then you left at 930 and you walked away feeling not sweaty at all. You had had the best time. What kind like really not just saying what went well? And if she said, well, everybody talked to me and we had a good conversation, but really say No. What, what kind of questions were people asking you? What kind of questions were you, what topics were you talking about? What topics were other people like really trying to dissect dissect and imagine kind of what you were saying earlier in your work with sexual assault, but also it works in this of of imagining what, what is the kind of the, what would be the antidote Mm -hmm. to, to this negative situation for you. And then whatever that antidote is than writing your own script. And I say that for Christina, and I know that you're probably operating this too, is that I feel like we could give Christina like, oh, well, when you walk in a room, say something funny exactly. or yep. Yep. say this, mm-hmm. or but that might not be your style. And I don't want to... I don't want to take the, the beauty of all of us is I don't want to take the uniqueness of Christina out of the equation and put a Maddie on it or put a Lisa on it, you know?
1: Well, a hundred percent. And that's, I mean, really, I think the work that both of us are up to in the world is about empowering people to write their own scripts.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And Christina, you're a writer. You exactly. can do this. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And that is why. And so for me in my work, I just happen to use Myers-Briggs Enneagram and Strengths Finder as these access points for people to- And if who- y'all don't
0: know what that is, I've already talked to Lisa. In several <laughs> months, we're going to do a whole other show about it. <laughs> So get the fuck ready. It's happening.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's going to be so much fun. Um, but yeah, that, because what those tools give us, what those assessments give us is they give us language to wrap around what we intuitively know about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the power of them. Um, the other thought I had, um, is, and this is more of a tangible and it may not at all relate to what Christina is is interested in doing because I loved all your ideas and the visualization and all of that and, and just really painting those pictures. Um, but consider writing to the, I assume that there's always like a meeting planner or a host or someone who has initiated these book events. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious, uh, and maybe, you know, if she's already tried this, but even having her write to that person and just explain in a sentence or two some of the social anxiety or some of the dynamics and really what the request might be for that host, like, is it possible for that host to do some introductions or to be around um, her before and after she speaks or, or some of those other things? Mm-hmm. That to, that's again, great, yeah.
0: especially if she's going and she doesn't know someone exactly. there's nothing wrong with just saying hey i get a little social anxiety mm-hmm. so it doesn't even if you don't want it to be a formal but yeah even just shooting email saying you know if you could facilitate introductions or if you see me standing there yes. i really would appreciate it if you would come over and just grab me and say hey take me by the arm and have me meet some people that's very helpful for me i think asking for help is so so key and again I'm sure, I mean, I can even see it in the question, like, Christina, take the shame out of this. Really try to, you don't need to feel shameful. This is literally the number one fear in the world is public speaking, getting in front of people. So you were in a community of literally millions of people that, I mean, that's why Toastmasters is such a popular organization because it enables people to get up and speak in front of other people. So I incur. I love that asking. I never would have thought about that. Never, well, where, ever.
1: It's, it's, well, it's interesting because I have a son um, who is an INFP in the Myers-Briggs. So for anyone who's listening, I'm an ENFJ. Um, uh-huh. I, those are letters that might not make any sense to some people and then yeah, other people will get it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you asked me, I spent so long. I've got, I'm have got. i going to do it again, y'all. And then Lisa and I are going to talk about it. And yeah, we're going to do it.
1: And I'm going to write down on a card what I think you are. And then I'll pull it out and see if I was Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, I won't tell you ahead of time. But what I was gonna say is my son, especially when he was in middle school, um, and which is like I think Matt Gronig, is that how you say his name? Called it the lowest rung of hell. Um so <laughs> yeah. Um he very introverted. He's actually in LA right now. He's studying, you know, he's studying film and he he's, was always this creative type and got significantly you know got terribly bullied in sixth grade and things like that. And one of the things that I did for him as an extrovert mother with an introvert child is I read the book Quiet by Susan Cain which was amazing about introversion. But also I began to understand and really empathize and encourage the reason my son is a great writer, and the reason that he can see stories in a way uh, that other people can't is because of this gift of of introversion. Of the, he also has social anxiety, and sometimes, and he also has some of these other dynamics. And I think that's where understanding. Wow, I I imagine that what makes Christina such an incredible writer. Is the, is, is this dynamic of, no, she's not going to be in a social setting and like talking up a storm. She's observing. She's taking things in. And so that really, I, again, just another little plug for the more that we can know really why we tick and how we tick, then we can, you know, enter a situation and go, here, listen, my contribution is, and I'm going to go, I'm not, I'm not here at this book event to be the most charismatic person in the room, to be the life of the party. I'm here at this event because I have written words that inspire that as I speak those words, people's lives are touched and moved and that I can practice being in this space of really owning that and not needing to be anything else, but who I am. Mm.
0: I'm into that I think I, I'm excited for that show because, you know, I think I just did a quick Google search of INFJ just to show people the example. But, you know, it just shows a list like Oprah Winfrey, Nelson Mandela. These are INF. So these are quote unquote introverts. So I th- I'm excited for that conversation because I've I've often talked about reframing the conversation of what being an introvert is because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that being an introvert means you're shy and that's not necessarily and that you're quiet and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the case. So I'm already excited. We just tease it, it but <laughs> that show's already going to happen. Everybody. Yay. Um, okay. Well, let's, um, let's get into some chatting Maddie. Cause you know, I don't like to edit Lisa. So we're going to keep it moving along and then we're going to tell everybody where they can find you and everything. But, um, First, uh, Chatty Maddie. So the same five questions I ask everybody in the the show. Uh, Chatty Maddie, number one, what is your most memorable childhood smell?
1: Okay. So full disclosure, I heard you ask this um, to someone else, and I will tell you what immediately came to mind. Okay. Do you remember – now, you were younger than me, but – I, my smell is the. Lisa, me- you look
0: good. I've seen your pictures. <laughs> you look good, girl. I thought you were my age or younger. Like, damn.
1: Well, I mean, you know, there, there's. Okay, anyway. Um, I, uh, Mr. Sketch Marky, you know, those markers that smell the blue color that smelled like blueberry. Like That
0: smelled like blueberry. Yes, yes. <laughs> I forgot about those. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> that was the smell immediately. It's so funny. It's like, yep. Yes, plastic Jennifer Allen in
0: first grade had those and I remember them. <laughs> that is so funny. Wow. Jennifer
1: Allen. I love that you could just pull that, that name out. Yeah, that
0: pulled. is that is wow. That's that is a memory. Okay. Uh Chatty Manny, number two. Um, let's see which one's on. Okay. What um What, uh, uh, oh yeah, oh, I know what it is. When, um, what would day would be your groundhog day? So what day was such a good day that you could do it over and over?
1: Yeah, well, of course, you know, my... The birth of my son and holding him in my, my arms—it's I, I, a hard question because I don't want the full day. Because going through labor and delivery wasn't the most awesome. Experience. Everybody <laughs> says
0: Everybody says I know I should say my kids, but they're like that was a really fucking stressful day. <laughs> but it I, ended well.
1: But I was really stressed. It, it ended well, and so if I can pick a moment here and a moment there, here's what I'd like to do: I would I would combine moments. Um, so Ooh, like. the moment of holding him in my arms and like was so I, I can remember it to this moment. It like makes my hair stand up. It's like just this person, this human being, and looking at this beautiful little being. I, I couldn't believe it. That was magical. Um, but the other one relates to the moment I uh, I met my um, current boyfriend partner uh, three years ago on July 27th. And we met on match. I spent eight days on match. And connected with him. And the moment I walked in for our first date in the sushi restaurant in Denver off Colfax and seeing him, and I'll never forget that moment of, it was like, oh, hi, like, I know Ooh. you. And we ended up spending, you know, it was easy from the beginning, from the get-go, you know, three hours later, I had to go to another meeting, unfortunately. And so we had to end early, but it's been three years of just, wow, I found my person, <laughs> you know? So- oh,
0: that's cool. That's really, really cool. Um, oh, that's really sweet. Um, okay. Chatty Matty, number three. Uh, what is the best piece of advice that you'd wish you'd taken earlier in life?
1: Oh, my. Uh, love yourself. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have exposure to that. Um, growing up in evangelical fundamental Christianity, you were to love your neighbor as yourself, but no one actually taught you what love yourself meant. And it actually was almost seemed like a, a bad, a bad word. So yeah, loving myself.
0: You know, it's so simple, but it's so hard. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's so simple and it's so hard. Um, okay. That's three. Chatty Matty number eight. For what is so I did let's see I have to remember my own questions I did childhood smell oh what would be the name of your memoir
1: yeah um I would say and this may sound very cliche either second chances or it's never too late
0: but I think the cliches cliches are cliches because they resonate yes this is true you know they're, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they're truths really um I love it. And then, chatting minute number five. When are you most inspired?
1: Oh, I am most inspired when I am sitting in front of a person or in front of a group of people that are courageous enough to to take to experience um, that moment of the light bulb going off, and then creating an action step or taking action related to that. And especially I'm most inspired with those who have experienced trauma that is unspeakable. And yet oh. here they are. They have, they are here and they are alive. And now they are looking to recreate their lives and use all that strength and power that brought them to this moment and actually use that to create lives they love. That is what gets me up in the morning and inspires the socks off of me.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Lisa, Lisa
0: Baker, tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Um, They can find me at Paraloom.com And I'm also at Lisa at Paraloom.com. They're they're welcome to email me. Um, But that is, yeah, where the website is and all the information is there.
0: You guys, I'm going to put Lisa Foster's all of her link. I want to call you. I have a friend, by the way, because I almost started to say who is... (laughs) Lisa Baker, and then she married and became Lisa Baker Foster. So I, I want to, and we call her Lisa Baker Foster. So I want to call you that really badly. So is it
1: Lisa Baker King or Lisa Baker Foster?
0: It, 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 she added Foster.
1: Oh, uh, we okay. know
0: her from, I know her from being younger as Lisa Baker.
1: Oh, got so it. Got it.
0: We call her Lisa Baker Foster. Uh, I know her from camp. But anyway, <gasps> So if I ever call, I'm telling you, if I say Lisa Baker, say I'm Foster, Matt. I'm like, okay. So, cause I almost did it. I told myself, I told myself before I said, don't do it. And I slipped. Um, anyway, so Lisa Foster, everybody, no Baker, (laughs) Lisa Foster, everybody, you can find the link. Um, it's all going to be in the show notes. Um, this episode, uh, everything you heard is recorded today on the 28th of June. So, um, we are oh one of my best friends birthdays today i got to call her Hi. and so um but anyway so th- the live event's going to go tonight 6:15 i think you said pacific time correct mm-hmm. yep so we'll put the links in that it's a prelim go to all that information um and you know even if even if you're scared to take the first step maybe the second step or the next first step is to listen to the show again maybe with somebody who you know loves you and supports you. Mm. Maybe you listen to this together Mm -hmm. and then have a conversation about that. And maybe that's the way you do that. If you have any questions, obviously you can reach out to me. Uh, If you feel safer reaching out to me and want me to forward something to Lisa, I'm happy to do that. Or Lisa's contact and everything is going to be on our website and you can contact her directly and just tell her that you Heard about her via the Dear Maddie show, so that way she has it's a reference of what's you know where you where you're coming from. But mainly, if you're listening to this and if you related to a lot of this, just wherever you are, reach out. It, uh, don't feel shameful for asking for help. That is one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves and give to other people who want to help you. So, uh, and at least I know you agree with that as well because you're one of those people who want to help.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. All right.
0: All right, everybody, you know the drill. Do something kind for someone this week, and we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you. Sugars, so that is – hey, that's the episode. So I really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, Lisa and I got along really well. I'm super excited. You know, I was familiar with the Myers-Briggs back in college. We talked about it a little bit when I did my master's, but honestly, it's been, golly, like – I mean, it's been probably 10, almost 10 years, nine years since I've actually studied, talked about that. And I I ended up doing the Myers-Briggs on someone else. We did the testing, but I never did it myself. So I'm super interested to do this and see what this is like and have that episode with her. Um, so what we're going to be doing in probably coming up in August, we'll release that. We're going to record a show we talked about and um, about she's going to do Myers-Briggs me and talk up and use me as an explanation. But then also we're going to talk about what you can do for yourself, but also uh, she said that she finds it's very helpful with kids, especially in August, September are going to be starting school. So we're definitely, be sure to uh, keep track of that because we want to hopefully give you some tools just to help new school, whether it's middle school, elementary, whatever your kid's doing, figure out how to help them acclimate to their social stressors of school. Because sugars, that is a big, Lord, that's some traumatic shit right there. All right, everybody. So, we will have a new episode coming next week. Why? Because I just got done recording about 30 minutes ago. A live in-person interview with actress Charmaine Bingwa from Australia. And you get to hear my beautiful Australian accent. It's really bad. And I do it in front of her. And it doesn't go well. So... I hope you can look forward to that. As you know, everybody, I love it so much when you share this show or when you let tweet me, whatever, Instagram me at thematmar, let me know, thematmar, two T's, two R's, and let me know what you think of the show. But, do, if you liked this episode, if it meant something to you, if you thought it was powerful, please, 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 more than an iTunes review, even though that's great, too. But if you share this on your Twitter, your Facebook page, text some friends say hey i think you'd like this episode listen to it i would love that so much it means so much to me and helps get the words out the words out oh Christina's is not gonna like i said that it's the word out all right everybody and speaking about happy pride month wherever you are celebrate you're coming out your lgbtq your allyship whatever you celebrate support each other love each other and y'all know i love y'all okay see you next week bye-bye